Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to this episode of the SG Engage podcast. I'm your host, Steve McLaughlin with Blackbaud. For a number of years now, we've seen a significant increase in organizations holding their own giving days. Certainly very well aware of things like Giving Tuesday, but there are a lot of other giving days that are now becoming part of organizations' regular um, giving and fundraising programs. And today, we thought we'd take a look at how some organizations have specifically um, implemented these giving days and some of the lessons that they've learned. Joining me on today's episode is Kelly Cortez. She's the manager of annual giving at St. Joseph's College in New York, and Jeffrey Sterrett, Director of Advanced Services at Pinecrest School in Florida. Welcome to the show, Kelly and Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Maybe a good place to start, Kelly, is talk to me about the journey that you and and the organization at St. Joseph's College has been on. Why did you think about starting to do a giving day? And and what was the backstory that led up to deciding to make this a part of your fundraising program? Sure. Um, So we're going to be hosting our third annual giving day this April. So we've had two successful giving days so far. Um, We had a new vice president of advancement who came in from another local organization. And she said that when she was tasked with giving day, they gave her two months to pull together an entire giving day. So she said, we're going to be having a giving day. We're going to have six months to get this together and that's being generous i said okay i have to dive into the world of, of giving days here and learn everything i can in six months and that's what i did um we we felt like we have a real opportunity with trying to acquire new younger donors that's where i think we're lacking a little bit is getting those recent graduates on board as annual givers so that's why we thought this would be a perfect fit to try to get the younger generation connected a little bit more. We have two campuses here at St. Joseph's College. We have one in Brooklyn, and that's our older campus. It's been around since 1916. We have very loyal donors there, but they're much older. You know, we have people from the class of 1944 who like to give every year, but we really need those, you know, class of 2016, 17, 18, you know, we know that we need those new donors um, feeling the same connection to the college. Uh, so we're, we focus primarily on really trying to acquire new donors from our younger Long Island campus. And, um, you know, I think we've had great success. Uh, we've been so happy with our giving days. We've started doing crowdfunding campaigns. We do a little bit with, you know, Giving Tuesday, but our giving day is really our best day of the year. We're looking forward to another one this year. Great, Kelly. That's that's really helpful background. And, and Jeffrey, what's the backstory uh, with, at Pinecrest School in terms of how you decided to to start doing giving days? And was there something in particular that, that sort of drove uh, the organization to decide this is a thing we want to start, start doing? Sure. About five years ago, I was at the Case Nace Conference in Austin, Texas, and I heard a presentation by the Friends School out of uh, the Washington, D.C. area. And they were talking about a giving day that they had had. They they did not use Giving Tuesday as their giving day. They chose another day in November, but they were talking about two different platforms that they used. 
to start their day. And they talked about how they raised blank amount of dollars all in one day. And they showed off the two platforms that they used. And I said, oh, my God, here's another idea I'm going to steal from somebody else and make me look smart. So I went back to campus and I fought for it for about a year. And we started using it on Giving Tuesday. Um, we are one of the top, we're one of the largest prep schools in the country, private schools in the country. So we have about 2,700 students. So we have a large faculty base. We have a large uh, parent base. We have a large alumni base. And we felt the easiest way to reach them would be if we tried to concentrate and focus all of our efforts in the beginning of the year around Giving Tuesday. And so we did that. And we used a, we used a texting system and we used Blackboard in the past, uh, Everyday Hero, but now we use Just Giving as our landing page and, you know, making the, gift, the giving easier. Um, and the first year we did it, we went from, say, $100,000 the year before, just trying to do it the old-fashioned way. And then we went to over a million dollars. And this year we did not use Giving Tuesday. We decided to use another day because we thought that Giving Tuesday would be taken up by COVID-related or hunger-related um, issues. And uh, so we decided that we would hold it in um, October, and we ran it as a giving week, and we did about another $1.1 million just by focusing all of our efforts and uh, into getting us ready for that day. So it's worked great for us. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And it sounds like uh, both of your organizations came at this from slightly different approaches. Um, you know, Kelly, you noted you had some new leadership who came in and really wanted to, to put this in place because they'd had success with it previously. Uh, and, and Jeffrey, as you noted, you got some inspiration from a Case Nace conference, but that's part of the whole reason why these, these events are so great. Um, are there things that you've seen in terms of um, how that how you had to prepare the organization? Jeffrey, you noted that it took you about a year to convince uh, you know, stakeholders there that this was a, a good thing to do. Could you give listeners a little bit of insight into how did you go about doing that? Because I'm sure uh, oftentimes that's what, what your peers run into as well, right? The resistance. Sure. We, we were just like any other school. Um, we've been used to using the old phone-a-thons. Let's bring in X amount of volunteers. Let's set the phones up around the library. Let's have them start dialing and leaving all kinds of voicemails at dinner time or making people irate because we were calling them during dinner time or just getting home from soccer practice. Uh, we had, yeah, it just, it was the same thing. And we were raising anywhere from 30 to $40,000 and it just, but it was a lot of work. It was a lot of setup. Somebody had to set those phones up. Somebody had to print out call sheets. Someone had to organize the volunteers. Someone had to make sure the volunteers were calling and not just sitting around drinking the soda and eating the cookies and things like that. And it just, I thought it was a waste of time. And I, cause I'd been involved with them for about 15 years at another school. And I just said, once I saw this presentation where you literally can sit and you can text. Uh, you can text a, a, a website and to a, to a page that makes it so simple to give that I felt that we had to get a hold of people on their mobile devices. We couldn't call them anymore. And it took me a year. And we did have a new person come on in as vice president of advancement. And that's when I convinced her and said, I've seen this. And she said, go ahead and set it up. And so we did. And, and using this texting system and then using Blackboard's Just Giving this year, it makes it so simple. But it, the biggest thing also, it really focuses our efforts rather than making it a long, drawn-out 9- to 12-month affair where we're trying to raise money. We try to raise about a third of our money in one day now. 
And so that makes us work and focus in the month of October and September to sort of set up these gifts and get pledges, things like that. But it's been life-changing for us down here. Yeah, that's a really interesting way of thinking about it versus the, the traditional, we're constantly doing this over nine or 12 months. You know, certainly you're, there's buildup and there's work, but the the giving is concentrated in a single day and it's not 12 months of of a lot of stuff. So that's interesting. Kelly, you've noted that you, you've been doing this for a few years. Between the first year and the second year, were there some big lessons learned that or takeaways that you might, you know, have some advice for some other fundraiser professionals out there who are thinking about this that that you found out, wow, after the first time we did it and then we did it the second time, we definitely had some lessons learned that would be helpful to share with people. Sure. So um, I definitely think that we had too many projects going because we are a smaller uh, private school. Um, we had 19 projects our first year, which might work for larger organizations. But for, for us, it was just too many. And it didn't feel like we really got to give the attention to the projects that they needed. Last year, we had to go down to six, but that was mostly due to COVID. But I would I would still feel like you know, between 10 and 12 would have been an ideal number of projects. Um, when we had the 19 the first year, there were definitely some that did not reach their goal. And then there were some of those projects that reached their goal, but they still haven't spent their money from April 2019. So I felt like we approved these projects that really didn't have a realistic vision and a plan of spending those funds. So we had to carry their money over again and for me, that's a little bit of an issue that we can't go back and tell the donors that that money was spent best. So that's what my concern is this year, is selecting and approving projects that have a very concrete plan of spending their money and a, a very detailed plan of how to promote their projects and get their, their projects funded. Yeah, that's helpful. And again, I've, I've seen that model used before. So it sounds like at St. Joseph's College, the approach is, We've got a, a fixed number of projects that we're raising money for and people are able to give to them. But one of the lessons learned you found was less is more that we you know, have a fewer number of them that hopefully meet or surpass the goal because that's a positive. Also, it's less of a, a, a management chore, headache, nightmare on the on the you know after the fact side too. I'm curious, Jeffrey, did you take a similar approach at Pinecrest School? Is it are there individual projects people are giving to, or is it more of just the annual giving fund, or, or how did you approach it there? Our giving day or this this year giving week is all focused on our annual fund. So it's all about dollars for budgeted projects. And we have about oh seven or eight buckets, you know, athletics, fine arts, things like that that most every other school has. But mainly it's mainly it's school wide priorities is what we call it. And so that's given and say, go ahead, president, go ahead, board of trustees, go ahead, vice president of finance, use this where you see best. And so we're very lucky that people trust our leadership and they also find it very easy to make these gifts on these days. And like I say, there's a lot of conversations being held ahead of time, but uh People are still, they know now this day is coming. Like I say, we're in about our fourth or fifth year of doing it this way. And they know this text is coming now. And so they know, okay, here's the yeah. time to make a gift. So it sounds like it, it both organizations, this is part of the new normal. You've been doing it for a number of years. 
people, you know, supporters, constituents have gotten used to it, that type of thing. Speaking of the new normal, were there things that you saw happen differently in 2020 as a result of giving days and and what was going on with COVID-19? And I'll, I'll start with you, Kelly, first. Things that you saw that were impacted that may have altered how you went about the approach for a giving day or, or some of the other things along the way? Sure. Um, we had to completely pivot our plan from being a strong on-campus presence that we had planned to being completely virtual because ours was in April. That was when we had just shut our campus down. So we had a, a real plan of having a large scale event on campus where we were going to be giving out free food and doing giveaways and contests and, you know, a real, a real fun presence on campus that was tied to our annual spring carnival, which we have for students. So it was going to bring the students over to our tables also and introduce them to the idea of senior class giving and student giving in general. So we had to completely cancel all of that. So the disappointing part was that we didn't get to do a senior class gift last year at all. And and we just we, we definitely felt like we lost the momentum as far as having that presence on campus. But because we focused so much more of our attention on the social media and the texting, we did texting for the first time uh, last year as well. So that was a nice um, supplement to what we were kind of missing by being in person. We did manage to raise even more money um, than we did the year before. And we did create a COVID-19 emergency assistance fund. So that was what took most of our time and attention what we raised the most money for was for that fund. And people really liked seeing that they were making an immediate impact on students that needed that help. The only part that was probably also difficult for us with COVID was our faculty and staff giving is rolled into giving day. And people were very confused as to was their gift counting for giving day, was it counting for faculty and staff giving? If they gave to COVID, was it still, you know, helping faculty and staff giving? So that, that piece of it was really confusing to people. I think the alumni got it. They made their gift to COVID assistance. They knew they made an impact. But I think we lost a little bit of our messaging with faculty and staff because we didn't get to meet with them on campus and we didn't have a table set up where they could make their gift in person. So that was a little difficult for us, too. But other than that, you know, we raised more money than the year prior. So we were very happy about about that goal. Yeah. And like you said, despite the fact that you had to make a few adjustments and pivots, especially yep. in the month of April, you, you were able to still, you know, grow um, on a year over year basis, which is which is very positive. Right. Jeffrey, what did you see on, on your organization there in Florida in terms of how did the Giving Day play into um, you know, adjustments that you've had to make on the fundraising side related to COVID-19? Well, we, you know, we had the same amount. We actually we increased the number of donors this year. Uh, we had about the same dollars that we had the year before. We were worried that we were going to go down, but we did not find that to be the case at all. The, the, the changes weren't so much as the, the focus on what we were asking them to give for. We still asked them to give to school-wide priorities and our annual fund. And I think they everyone knew that this was a challenging time and the money was going to go to whether it's more PPE or anything else, things that were already in the budget. The biggest change for us this year was we still had we still had some people on, on our staff that felt that we had volunteers, for instance, doing the texting in the previous years. This year, our office, and we're an office of nine, we did all the texting. 
Uh, we did all the, you know, there's myself and somebody else using Just Giving. It was so simple. All the gifting, all the gift entry and stuff comes right into their into, into our Razor's Edge database very simply. So between the nine of us, we learned that we could run this million-dollar event, and it really wasn't a ton of work. I mean, yes, there was setup, and yes, there was time and things like that, but I was not here 12 hours a day, nor was anybody else. We were all here our eight, nine hours a day for about three days and a couple hours more and the last days four and five, and we're able to do it. So that was our big takeaway from this year. And the other thing was we did not do it on Giving Tuesday. We chose our own Giving Day this year, and, and we told our clientele to support their own initiatives and charities on Giving Day, but to help us on our Pinecrest Giving Week earlier than that. Yeah, I like that messaging where it's not someone has to choose between this or that. It can be an and, right? And and having your giving yes. day on a separate day, there's there's lots of advantages to, to doing that for sure. Yeah, I, I will tell you that, again, that's another thing from Friends School. They, they didn't do Giving Tuesday. They chose another day because in the, you know, they're a Quaker school and they wanted people to support their own initiatives on Giving Tuesday. They felt that, that they ran their own thing, you know, a month earlier. And I remember thinking that and saying, we can do the same thing. So, And Kelly, are you planning, is your giving day once again going to be around the April timeframe in 2021? Yes, we're doing Wednesday, April 28th. And every year we plan it to coincide with our student event, the Spring Fling. So we're doing that again this year, but we really don't know what type of programming we're going to be able to have on campus. We might try to do a table and some giveaways, um, but we have to keep it safe for everyone. You don't know cupcakes this year. And um, so we're going to try to do something for the people that are on campus. Yeah, no, that's helpful. Um, uh, Jeffrey, I'm curious if, you know, if you were in a, in a, in a virtual meeting or a real meeting with other, you know, you know, advancement services and, and fundraising professionals out there, who've been on the fence about doing this and wondering, is this, you know, worth their time and, and attention? You know, are, are there some things that you could give them in terms of advice of how to think about going about this to not only uh, decide to go in this direction, but also maybe again, how do you, how do you get a, a coalition of the willing to, to also want to go with it, go along with it too? I think uh, for instance, I gave a talk at uh, BBCon in Nashville a couple of years ago on the same topic. And I just said, seeing is believing. You have to, I'll show you everything we use. I'll show you every letter that we write, you know, the first year informing people, this is how we're going to do it this year. And then it, it, I'll show them what, how it, 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 it's, it's so much lessened the time and, and the anxiety in our volunteers it, it, it was made the, it made the gift entry so much easier. I mean, just using all the tools that Blackboard has, using this texting platform that we have, it, it, if you see it done, it sounds like it's a, a, something that's very complicated, or whatever. It's really not. It's really simple. And that, it, it, you know, like I say, it goes back to that Case Nace conference when I sat there and I went, oh my God, this is how everybody needs to be doing this. And so I, I just say, let me spend 15 minutes. I'll show you everything we have. I'll show you all the stuff. And then you talk to the various people at Blackboard that you need to about getting on the Just Giving. And you talk to this text texting service and things like that. And you could do it. And we, we had, I think, three other schools did it this year uh, who had heard me in Nashville the previous year. And, Jeffrey, one of the things you mentioned was, you know, previously you had more of the traditional 
you know, phone-a-thon program and there's a big switch to digital and text messaging. I'm curious, what feedback have you gotten from donors now that you've shifted away from the six o'clock, 6.30 phone call to the text message and email approach? What's been the response? I, I think, I know they love it. They, we haven't had anybody tell us you know, we, we haven't anybody tell us that this is bad. We were worried about that. I, you know, that was one of the big arguments against doing this. I can't believe we're going to text our parents. I can't believe we're going to text our alumni. I can't believe we're going to. And I said, guys, that's what everyone is looking for. It, it, and, and what we learn is it now gives them the chance to look at your ask at the, when they want to look at it. So we text alumni, for instance, or we text everybody at 9 a.m. We make money while we're sleeping at night. People aren't answering that text. You know, I would say the young kid working in the law firm in New York City, he's not allowed to look at his phone and answer personal text during the day, but he's got it on his phone. And he knows that on his drive home or on his way, excuse me, on his way home in the subway or when he gets home, he can now answer that thing and he can make the gift at 9 p.m. that night. Same thing with the parents. They can do it after the child's soccer game is over. So we do get some gifts, sure, in the morning and by 12 o'clock noon, we've got a bunch of gifts, but we get gifts that we you know, we, we stopped texting at about 11 a.m. and we're getting gifts all night, overnight into the next day. And I think that is by far the best way of saying that the donors love it. And the volunteers I mentioned too, they, they don't have to sit there and leave these messages now. They just send out the text messages and people are going, okay, great. Here's the money. Here's the money. Here's the money. And they, it's so easy that we get every single person that volunteered and did it the first year has volunteered to do it. If, as long as their children are still in school, they have volunteered to come back and do it again. That's great. That's really great to hear. And, and Kelly, just to wrap up, what are some pieces of feedback that you've received from some of your donors and supporters now that you've been doing this? What's the feedback that they've given you um, about the, the use of, of giving days? Sure. So uh, because I, I mentioned earlier that we do have a lot of older uh, donors, we didn't want to risk, um, you know, missing engaging with them by, you know, wondering, are they too old to be, you know, the type of people that are going to text or read an email. I mean, if we have 90-year-old donors that we have to stay in touch with, we do still do a direct mail campaign, and we do keep that piece of it there for them so they can still give in a traditional envelope in the mail for giving day, and we count those gifts towards our giving day. So um, that was the only group that we really worried about staying engaged with, but everyone else is so happy that we've transitioned to this new model. Like Jeffrey said, people are very happy to get the texts. You know, we have obviously a great open and response rate with our texting. You know, I think everyone has been very, it's been very positively received. And just working with Just Giving has been so wonderful for us because the first year of our giving day, we did use another vendor and it made things much more difficult for us. And like Jeffrey talked about, you think about much time do I have to give towards this and, and how consuming is it going to be on my work day? And it was the first year, it was very time consuming. And the second year, it was so much easier for us and our advancement team on the back end processing all these gifts. It just made it so much more of a seamless process working with Just Giving. So everyone's been very happy. That's great. And, uh, you know, both Kelly and Jeffrey, uh, we will absolutely want to have you on a future episode to see how 2021 went. Uh, I think, you know, Listeners to the show really get a lot of value and insights from 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 folks like you who are doing this and learning lessons and, and things you can share. So really appreciate you 
joining us for today's podcast and can't wait to have you back in the future. Great. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the SGH podcast. This episode is brought to you by the letter G. Thanks for listening. Thank you.